Welcome to the Business Intuition Podcast, the place where you can learn to trust your intuition to make business decisions without having to meditate for hours, wear crystals, or give up on coffee or wine. You don't have to leave your IQ at the door. Embrace intuitive intelligence to create a business that lights you up and finally experience the success that you deserve. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 68 where we are going to explore the difference between tarot and oracle cards. Uh, this was a question that was asked in my Tarot for Business Challenge uh, when I run it in June, and I find it a very interesting question. So the main difference between Tarot cards and Oracle decks, Oracle cards, are that Tarot has a structure, a history, and traditionally has only 70, when I say only, has 78 cards that are organized in a specific way, uh, which is split between major arcana and minor arcana. Now, the minor arcana actually are almost the equivalent of any um, more regular deck of playing cards. So they have four suits, and, and of course, playing cards have four suits. So um, the heart in the playing cards would be the cups in the tarot. The diamonds in the playing cards would be pentacles, which are a coin in the tarot. Uh, spades would be swords and um, clover would be wands. So it makes a lot of sense actually, if you look at it that way. And of course, uh, the minor arcana in the tarot have 14 cards that are divided by numbered cards, one to 10, and then uh, page, knight, queen, and king. So I think the page is not in the plain decks. So that's the basic difference because oracle decks actually um, are much more fluid. Uh, the number of cards depend on the creator and anything goes. Uh, but I'll, I'll talk, I'm going to focus on the tarot first and then I'll, I'll focus on oracle decks and then we'll wrap it all up together so you have a good idea. The tarot is as old as the mid 15th century and I was lucky to see a, an illuminated, I think that's what you say in English, that deck of tarot card from the medieval times at the Musée de Cluny in Paris in 2014 when they did an exhibition and I was humbled to think that these cards have existed for so long. However, they have not been used for divination um, for that long. It's only in the 18th century that they were starting. I mean, when I say this, it's probably, I should put the caveat by uh, Western, um, you know, uh, white people, because I think they have been used by other um people from different origins for much, much longer than that. Um, we will actually look into that in a minute. This is going to be really interesting. I, I want you to know, though, that tarot cards are still used um, commonly in Europe as playing cards. And in France, it's actually a game that people play uh, quite commonly. So there are three, the three most common tarot decks are the Tarot de Marseille, the Rider Waite, and the, the Thought I don't even know if I, I um, 
Fuff, I think it is, um, pronounced this name correctly. Um, what I want you to know, though, and it's a fact that has fascinated me, is that the sale of tarot decks have doubled in the pandemic, right? Uh, apparently, they're really good to help with anxiety. And in the past 10 years, there has been over um, $21 million invested in, in uh, tarot deck projects, especially in Kickstarters. And 69% of that was invested in 2020 and 2021. Um, it has become such an interest that the MIT, you know, the famous MIT Institute in Boston has created a tarot library to document all the different tarots. And I was looking at uh, their catalog this morning. Uh, they have, there's now um, tarot decks that are centered uh, around particular interests such as radical, feminist, queer, POC, etc., etc. So this is a fascinating um, phenomena. The, the MIT library uh, include more than 400 decks and it continues to grow. So um, I'm, I just find it fascinating that they started documenting this. Christian Dior in 2021 based his spring collection on the tarot. Meanwhile, <laughs> well, it was a bit before that, Pope Francis condemned the tarot as an idolatry of our times. That was that he did that on the 1st of August, 2018. And it's really interesting because the condemnation by the Church of Tarot started in 1450. Um, it was labeled as heretical. And we'll go into that a little bit in detail in a minute. It wasn't considered the devil. It was considered heretical. And the, the word heretical is very, very uh, important. I find that hilarious um, because the tarot was actually a set of flashcards for Gnostic Christians, especially the Gnostics in the south of France who... Um, were persecuted by by the Catholic Church, and there's also a link to the Knight Templars. I mean, I'm I'm sure you will be fast, as fascinated as I am by these cards and by their history. If you're interested in learning more about the history side of things and how it was used by um, not just Gnostic Christians, yeah, I can see it. Um, I encourage you to read a book by Margaret Starbird. Uh, called The Woman with the Alabaster Jar. And she talks about tarot cards in particular on page 104. That's where it starts. Now, Margaret Starbird has a very interesting profile. She's actually a Roman Catholic scholar. And you know when the book, um, The Holy Grail? No, it wasn't The Holy Grail. Uh, I can't remember the title. There was a book that came out that claims that um, Jesus and Mary Magdalene had been married uh, and of course, the Da Vinci Code came on the back of it. And uh, Margaret Starbird, as a Roman Catholic scholar, was scandalized by the claims made by these authors um, about the marriage of Jesus and Mary Magdalene. And so she went on a mission to prove them wrong. And so she dug deep into, um, you know, um, scripts and things um, uh, from the origins of Christianity, and she came to the conclusion, after all her research, and I won't even try to um, retrace everything that she did, but what I love about it, and that's what came in, comes out in all her books, because she's written several books now, 
and she's become a fervent um, supporter and advocate for Mary Magdalene. Um, she came to the conclusion that it was much more logical that Jesus had been married than had he not. And she found lots of evidence that the existence of Mary Magdalene had been obliterated by the Catholic Church um, for a very specific purpose. So if that's something that you might be fascinated by. I'm going to send you off on that trail. It is really, really mind-blowing. So anyway, the tarot holds all that richness of both symbols and history. So it's, I don't know, it's this magical tool. In contrast, Oracle decks, there are no rules, there's no set number of cards, and there's no structure. And usually, the best use for Oracle decks is to just pull one card per day in the morning and meditate on it. So I pulled one today for myself from Doreen Virtue's Archangel Oracle cards, who sadly are not in uh, for sale anymore. Now, Doreen Virtue um, was a very interesting woman who was initially, I think, a psychotherapist or a therapist or counselor. And she um, started um, getting messages from angels, all sorts of things. So she embraced her intuition and her connection, her direct connection to the divine, which actually ties in with the uh, Gnostic tradition where people were directly in direct contact with God rather than having to go through the priest. So you can see why the Catholic Church wanted to literally um, obliterate, and they almost did during the Inquisition time, during medieval times, um, the uh, Gnostic Church, because the power was out of their hands and they were very thirsty for power. So anyway, sadly, uh, after many years and, and after creating something, she has been instrumental in my opening up to, um, you know, spirituality rather than religion. Um, and um, but but sadly, a couple of years ago, she did a complete turn. She became a born again Christian and she um, she denied everything she'd done before and she joined so to speak the more traditional view of the church that um tarot cards are evil and she doesn't even you know she's she doesn't even recognize that the she denies the whole work that she's done basically for the past 30 years which is very very sad i mean when i say sad it is what it is it's her own journey um but um i mean it goes to show that it's very easy to brainwash people um and and apologies for those of you who are you know devout christians my my father was one of such and i re respected his his beliefs and his um his practice but i do know that in there's always a danger of being brainwashed into something so anyway the card that i pulled was called um clairsentience and it's uh, inviting me to notice my recurring physical and emotional feelings uh, as they signify divine guidance. So I'll be, I'll be watching for that today and see if that, um, if that resonates or brings something special for me. Now, what kind of Oracle decks can you get? There's just, as I said, there's like, when I say 400 tarot decks, I don't know if they made the distinction in the MIT library between tarot and Oracle decks. Um, I used to have a lot, um, a lot of decks, but they can be about self-care, some, some around the goddess, um, angels, fairies, mermaids, moon archetypes. Um, there's a rebel deck. Um, a good friend of mine has 
created a higher wisdom parenting oracle cards um, and I have actually created my own which is called Orange's Fabulous Business Oracle Deck and um, I am going I used to do regular one card readings in my group uh, I actually do, I started off doing them on my page but then some scammers um, on my page and they do that now on a regular basis which is why I don't use my page as much on Facebook uh, used to literally contact everyone who commented under my my page to uh, to scan them, which was um, really heartbreaking for as far as I'm concerned. So I started doing them in my in my group, but I think I'm going to now do them because they're weekly. I'm going to do them in the podcast. So um, I um, I want to talk to you a little bit about the deck. So it's in alphabetical order. It goes from account to website. And I, I forgot to check how many cards there are in my decks. I don't think it's that important. But just to tell you, there's keywords at the top. There's an image in the middle. And at the bottom, there's one single sentence that gives you um, a, a basic suggestion of what you should be focusing on. Okay. Uh, now, let's... Um, Should I do the reading now or should I do it a bit later after I explain to you how to do a reading? Yes, let's do that a little bit later. So do you use tarot cards and oracle cards differently? Now, traditionally, I would say that um, oracle cards, you would more, more likely to do a one card pool and you would do it every day as a sort of inspiration or, or to inspire your meditation. Um, for example, in my deck, when I used to do those live readings in my group, um, there would be oh, the question I would always ask when people ask me for a reading was, what does your business want you to focus on right now? And then I'd pull a card and then I'd have, for example, right now, if I pull, social media comes up. So maybe that would be my focus for today. In the tarot, you can do more complex spreads although one card readings are just as powerful, okay? But in tarot, you have so much more. You have reversals, okay? There's entire books that have been written on the, on the meaning of a reversal for a card. And what I mean by reversal is that if you pull the card, if it's um, upside down, then it's a reversal, okay? Um, these cards, whether they're oracle cards or tarot cards, can act as a mirror, it helps you to identify blind spots or things that you need to focus on. Uh, the, the cards, there's a, apparently a card for each, um, each uh, zodiac sign. And I'm not a big fan of astrology, but just in case there are some of you who are interested in astrology. And surprise, surprise, I'm Scorpio and the card is death. There's no, you know, um, we are always get, gets the better, best as, as Scorpios in, in the zodiac. Uh, I just want you to know that there's no such thing as a good or a bad card, but every card has a positive and a more negative meaning. What I want you to know is that your reaction to the card is probably what's the most important when you pull a card from your tarot or your oracle deck. So be mindful um, before you pull the card, after the, you pull the card, what's the first thought that comes to mind? What's the next one? And what's the next one? What associations can you make between 
um, the different things that cross your mind because it reveals a lot about your mood, your limiting beliefs, your mindset. And, and you know that in business, mindset is 50% of success. Now, I'm going to pull a, uh, a card from my business oracle deck now. And I'm going to ask, what is the energy asking us to focus on this week in our businesses? And the card that turned around, like almost on its own, was intellectual property. Now, I don't know if you know what intellectual property is, but generally it's um, it comprises trademarks, it comprises copyright and uh, trade secrets. And all of these different um, aspects of intellectual property are um, the, the law surrounding them depend um, from you, the, the local law in where you live. So England and Wales has a different intellectual property law than, for example, maybe Scotland or definitely from France or the US. And then in each in the US, each state has their own thing. So it's quite a specialist area, but I'm going to give you just the very broad guidelines around that. First of all, um, unless you create a product, um, having a trademark is not necessary in the early stages of business. I have a couple of trademarks myself. Um, but um, but I'm, I'm further down in business than, um, uh, you know, I'm not a beginner anymore. The second thing, so trademarks uh, are best protected when they're registered. Before they're registered, they're still valid, but it's more difficult to prove that you have the ownership. So one of the things I would say that, that is super, super important is before you start your business, before you start using a specific name for a program or a service or a product, Always do um, a trademark search or have a qualified attorney or solicitor or lawyer do a, a search on that particular uh, word because there's, there's nothing worse than um, going all the way into a launch and launching a product and then finding out uh, sometimes on the day of the launch that maybe someone else has been using. And this has actually happened to me. It was a very interesting experience. Um, I, um, as you know, maybe I use a the word intuition a lot in my business. And I thought, this is the interesting part, I think my intuition was there all along, that I had re registered the trademark intui intuition revolution. But actually, I had put intuitive revolution. And that made a huge difference in what I'm going to share with you today. And what happened is when I started to want to um, trademark um, other things with intuition in it. Uh, there's actually this company that's registered in Ireland, if I'm uh, correct, or at least their trademark attorney is in Ireland, who is called Intuition, and they're in business, and they have nothing to do with intuition. They have to do with a lot of training and stuff regarding um, business, but there could have been some crossover between what I wanted to use the word intuition for, what they were using it for with their trademarks. So the lawyer, the trademark attorney actually contacted me to let me know that <clears throat> my application for a trademark was conflicting with their trademark, which was much, much more ancient. And um, mm -hmm. they're very proactive in protecting the, the intuition. I think it was because I, was, I wanted to re re register something like the Intuitive Business Academy or something like that, or Intuition Business Academy. So <clears throat> I was so glad that actually 
through a mistake, which obviously wasn't a mistake, I had applied for intuitive revolution rather than intuition revolution back in November. So they couldn't do anything about that because they hadn't picked up on it. So I could use that trademark. But imagine if I had prepared everything, including graphics, including this, I had prepared the whole launch, etc., for a name. And, and then suddenly that name is not available, but you can't make that tweak like I've made to actually make it work. You're in for wasting thousands of pounds, but also probably, you know, if, if they're particularly litigant, that company could um, also ask for compensation. So that's the intellectual property card. And uh, I think someone needs to hear this today. The other aspect of intellectual property is the copyright thing. And again, you know, you need to take everything with a pinch of salt and to look into the laws that apply to your business. And they will apply to where you do business mainly. So even though I work internationally with lots of people, and this is not legal advice, by the way, this is just a general outlook. Um, my, um, my terms and conditions, which are super important, everybody should have some terms and conditions, not only on their website, but also contracts whenever they work with clients, whenever you sell a product, there should be terms and conditions that are people are clearly uh, informed of before they make their purchase. So for me, I always say it's England and Wales, even though a lot of my clients are in Australia, some of them are in America, but my place of business is in the UK. Um, so, of course, it's intellectual property law of the UK that will apply to me. Actually, when I say UK, this is wrong. It's England and Wales because Scotland has and Ireland have different laws. So that's the copyright aspect. So copyright is every content that's original to you um, that um, that you, you put out, whether it's in your courses, uh, whether it's in your process. Uh, I know, for example, my my epic framework process that's that's intellectual property um, and this is protected whether you put copyright on it or not uh, you don't have to do anything specific as long as it's yours and you can prove that it's been that then the I suppose the the the, the subtleties is around how you're going to be able to prove that it was yours um, etc etc and then the third aspect is the things that you don't want people to know in the public because it's a process that's unique to you but you wouldn't necessarily be able to protect it with copyright or trademark so the moment you reveal it to a third party you expose for people to copy it and that's when you want to have a proper non-disclosure agreement so this is just to give you an outline because the intellectual property came out and I think this is really good. I actually pulled a card earlier. Uh, I had to re-record the, the end of this uh, podcast and it was terms and conditions. And it's, it's funny how this card that I pulled ties in with terms and conditions, but brings more depth to whatever we need to focus on this week. So what, if you're listening to this podcast episode or if you feel that this might help someone else, uh, please share it with someone else. Uh, this is the card of the week, you know, look at your intellectual property. Also do perhaps a, um, a due diligence, an assessment of the value of your intellectual property and um, perhaps even whether you would be able to license it or to create some, so some sort of um, franchise agreement uh, so that people who could follow the way that you do business, etc., etc. Just All of these things are, are, are important to look at um, this week. Just to have an idea um, of what the energy supports, because there is a universal energy that supports um, all of us in the world. 
and and um, one of my mentors used to, used to do an energy report every week on her business page. And there are actually quite a few um, sensitive psychics who do energy of the week readings. Uh, one, one of the ones I would really recommend, but he's not specifically for business. And that's why I'm a little bit resistant, reluctant to share it on this podcast. But Lee Harris uh, is an amazing healer who's been um, had an online presence for the past 20 to 30 years. And he does a wonderful monthly energy report. It's not specifically business, though. So I think I'm going to be pulling a card every week on the podcast. I used to do it on my page and then I used to do it in my group. But the problem I have on my page is that there's a lot of scammers who whenever someone comments on my post, and that's why I've stopped doing anything of importance on my page, because I don't want people to be scammed Um through um, them engaging with my page, which is a little bit sad. And I haven't found a way to sort this problem yet. Um, I do live readings in my group. I haven't done them in a couple of weeks because I've been taking some time off. I usually do them on a Friday. So please feel free to join my group, The Intuitive Revolution in Business, if you want to have a specific card pulled out for you on a Friday um, to let you know what you should be focusing in your business right now, okay? Now, I want to give you a couple of little tips, and then I'll give you a process on how to use your Oracle cards and your um, tarot cards, whichever one you decide to, to purchase. I oh, Before I go any further, though, I went on to the MIT library uh, whilst I took a break, and I've discovered, um, you know, I, I told you there were lots of Kickstarter uh, campaigns for new decks, and it's been one of the most popular things happening in the past few years. I discovered there was a Banksy tarot, and it wasn't created by tarot, but it was created by a guy called, or a woman, I don't know which one it is, Shiloh Lewis. And it's literally Banksy's work of art, street art um, as a tarot, which I find fascinating. Now, I my um, suspicion is that it's not actually a tarot deck, but it's more an oracle deck. Uh, but if you go on the Kickstarter page that still exists, even though it was launched, uh, last updated in 2019, uh, you will be able to see a little video because when people do Kickstarters for um, tarot decks, uh, they often um, give some background uh, and you also have images from the deck. Oh yeah, actually they have, he has the lovers, which, which is really funny. It's E.T. with um, with Yoda, which is hilarious. Uh, Fortune. No, it actually follows the, um, the hermit is, uh, is Darth Vader. So, um, yeah, I hadn't, um, okay. They're using stencils for pentacles. There's the card of the world. No, this this kind of, it, it does follow the structure of the tower. It's just been quite creative. And, and what I wanted to say, oh gosh, the hangman is uh, one of, of Banksy's famous paintings with uh, the lover hang on the window whilst the husband comes home and finds his, his wife um, at home. Um, probably not, not with, with not a lot of clothes on. Um, yeah, so it does follow uh, the, the structure of the tarot. 
And if you if you go either on the MIT library, you'll have lots of ideas. I'm sure if you go on any sites like Amazon, you could put tarot in. It might become quite overwhelming though. And some of these tarot decks don't make it to Amazon because um, you know Amazon is a platform that is is amazing to uh, when you sell in big amounts, a big big numbers. Sorry. Uh, but not so much for people who do special editions or smaller prints. And that was the case definitely for my tarot deck. Um, I, I printed a special edition in the spring. I still have some decks left, but I haven't printed a lot of, uh, of them. And, and putting it on Amazon is just not uh, cost effective. So if I look at the, I look at the titles, there's a Tarot of the Haunted House, a John Bauer Tarot, a Vice Versa Tarot, um, Terra Malefic Time, Tarot de la Nuit. Um, there's no, like, it's also been um, like an invitation for artists to, uh, of course, there's a TV series tarot. And recently I discovered there was a Disney, um, a Disney baddie tarot. And I'm, I'm really tempted to buy that one for myself because I'm a big Disney fan. Um, so, I suppose it goes on to say, um, um, it leads me to tell you, how do you choose a tarot deck? And the way I want you to do, first, I, I want you to make sure that um, maybe you have one of those classical decks like the Rider Waite. That's always going to be my, my top recommendation because it has the, the classic structure. It, it ties into a lot of esoteric tradition. But most important, each of the cards is like a universe unto itself with an incredible um, symbolism. Whereas some of the tarots, like maybe the Banksy one, um, you would have the image would be a lot more simple. They'll be lost to lot less to pay attention to. And one of the things that I've noticed with tarot cards when I use them is that sometimes the card itself is irrelevant. It could be just a very small details that is important um, to the reading whatever message you're supposed to receive so for example the strength card often has a lion on it and it could be that it's only the lion that is relevant to the message and the actual title of the card or even the numbers or anything that it says in the book doesn't mean uh, anything to you at that particular point it's not meant to point you in that direction so it's still important to use your intuition when you use tarot cards okay what I want you to know as well is that each card can have a completely different meaning each time you do a reading. So pay attention. Allow your mind to go still and to let anything that bubbles up um, come up to the surface so that you can pay, pay attention to it. Usually it's the first thought that is the correct one. Whatever comes on the back of that thought is going to be a reaction to the first idea, probably from your reptile brain um, to try and debunk it, to try and um, invalidate it, because it's going to be threatening. Because the tarot is here to reveal things from the subconscious that your reptile brain might not want to hear, uh, because it makes you vulnerable, or because you might use this knowledge to get out of your comfort zone, and your reptile brain wants you to stay safe, okay? Tarot cards are very good for yes and no questions. They're better than pendulums. I want to stress this out here because someone's asked me uh, which 
which tool did I prefer to tap into my intuition, my pendulum or my tarot cards? And what I will say, even though what's important is the intent that you set, is that very often with pendulum or even muscle testing, you will only access sort of your uh, physical level kind of awareness, your personal but it's very rare that you would access your higher self unless you set that intent. Because the thing is, your body is full of emotions. It's full also of energy blocks um, that you might not be aware of. Like, uh, I'm, I'm not going to get too much into the energy bit of things because I've already done a podcast episode. It's not the title. It's not the subject of this particular episode. But uh, suppose you had a heartbreak. Uh, maybe um, your your romantic partner died and you closed your heart. This is going to impact how you receive your intuition because I believe in most of the intuition, at least the, the most useful intuition comes through the heart. So if you have a, a broken heart, then your intuition is likely to have been shut down because the portal through which your intuition can come is actually not, um, not open, not activated and not functioning properly. Now, that's something that can be put right quite easily with someone who knows how to work with energy. So don't despair if that's the case. And if you feel that this applies to you, but just know that it's something that because you receive intuition through the body, when you use a pendulum, when we use muscle testing, then you would have to have a pretty clear energy field and all your energy centers to be able to get a very, very um, an answer from your higher self. Because when you hold cards in your hand, you shuffle them. It's not linked to your energy system. The energy goes straight straight through the cards, if that makes any sense. Okay? So, and I know um, for a fact, because it's something that I've done again and again, that, that when I use a pendulum, I can actually make it say what I want to know, what I want to hear, rather than what I need to hear. I can influence the answer so easily Whereas I can't with cards. So when you pull a card, pay attention to all the association uh, that come up, okay? Now, here's um, one more thing. First, oh, I also forgot to mention that a lot of these tarot cards now have apps because people love using apps. So look in, into that as well. The energy works just as well with an electronic deck as it does with a regular deck. Because, um, in fact, I have, in my own experience, um, the influence of uh, the spirit world, the invisible world's intuition on electronics is phenomenal. And so don't discard it just because it's an app and, and you don't feel that you're holding a deck in your hands. Right. It would be good for you to keep a tarot journal as well because it's so easy to forget what you've asked, what was the answer, etc., etc. And I should probably take uh, this advice for myself because I don't do that very often. Now, last but not least, let's go and look at the process of pulling a card. What you want is to set your intent to receiving a message that is going to be meaningful. And I like to say uplifting inspiring, um, practical, useful, timely, um, and you can add whatever you want to add to your intent. But it's important to set an intent because if you just, just go shuffle your cards and pick a card, you're going to get random advice from anywhere. Any, you, know, you don't even know where it's coming from. 
you don't know. And it is specifically important if you're in a low mood, then you're likely to get messages that are not very uplifting, right? So be mindful of your set of mind when you do it. That doesn't mean you can't pull cards when you're not feeling very you know, perky or if you're feeling a bit low. It means that you need to do it in a different way and to take some precautions so that it's not going to make your moods worse. Because, because the cards work with the law of attraction, uh, they're going to be acting as a mirror and reflecting back to you uh, mostly what moods you're in, et cetera, et cetera. And um, this, yeah, there's a bit of a caution here. The second thing you do once you've set your intent is you shuffle the cards and you focus on either the question you're asking or the guidance you're going to receive. So when you shuffle the cards and you can say it out loud, it actually helps. You can say, give me a card to know what I need to know today to, um, to have the best possible day. But you repeat it several times once you shuffle. The way you shuffle doesn't matter. If you're not very good with your hands, if you have small hands, if you have difficulty start shuffling what you could even do is just spread the whole deck on a table and scrambled it whilst you uh, remain focused on what you're thinking of that gather it all up together and then give it one or two good shuffle you don't have to do any of those tricks where you you know split it in two and make all those fancy you know or whatever um cards tricks that's not important at all What's important is that you have a clear intent, that you're holding the cards and you're asking your questions, you're focusing on that question, right? Then you pull one out. And there's several ways that people pull cards out. Sometimes they split the decks in three or two. They choose one deck and then they pick a number and then they pull the card that corresponds to the number. You can also do it in a fan with your hand hovering over the cards and then see which one maybe kind of your hand is drawn to it. I now do it in, in my hand. I have the whole deck and I just run my index along the sides of the card. And when it stops, I just pull a card. Step number four is to write down everything that comes to mind when you pull that card. So the first thought, the second thought, the third thought, the associations. Also, perhaps the limiting beliefs that are coming up, and the blocks and the resistance, all that. It is gold. Just write everything down. Then write down what you think and feel about that card. And then perhaps at the end of the day, look at the card again and see if there's been a shift. And again, start journaling a little bit about that. Okay. So that's my episode today about the difference between Oracle and deck cards, uh, or sorry, Oracle and tarot cards. You've seen I've, I've thrown in a few things in there that I found, um, you, I thought you might be interested in. What I'd like you to do now is first, if you feel that anyone might be interested in this episode, please share it with them. Um, come and have a discussion in the group about this because every Monday after I do my, my podcast episode, I have a post in the group where we can discuss. And then the third thing I would like you to do if you found this episode interesting is to sign up for my tarot newsletter where I send a newsletter once a week uh, with a card, uh, the card of the week with some tips. I've pulled the card for the week. It's a really good one. You will want to come and, and, um, and read about it. And, um, and that's it, really. I sign up for the tarot. And this way you'll be informed when I do my next uh, seven-day challenge, uh, which is, if, if nothing changes, should be in September. Okay? So thank you for listening to this episode. I'll talk to you again next week. Have a wonderful week. Bye for now.
Thank you for listening to another episode of the Business Intuition Podcast. If you like this episode, make sure you subscribe, give us a rating, and if you haven't done it yet, write a review so that more listeners can enjoy this podcast. Don't forget to join my free group on Facebook, Business Intuition for Female Entrepreneurs. And go on to my website to download my free workbook on the four steps to trust your intuition in business. My website is theintuitionrevolution.co.uk.